The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. You know, when I, I sit down each week and try and think of, uh, well, I'm trying to think of uh, progressively more clickbaity titles. You might have noticed that for the for the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know? Somebody stole my wife. No, I haven't quite got that far. Free X Pro threes for all <laughs> listeners. That's it. T's and C's apply. This week could be. Aren't you that Kevin Mullins? <laughs> Because there's been there's been a few occasions of late where there's been a little bit there's been a little bit of mullin spotting going on on the street. <laughs> you 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 do you think it's your YouTube presence? What what is it? Uh, mostly they come up to me and say, "Are you Kevin Mullins?" And I go, "Yeah." And they say, "Oh, tell Neil we love him." A <laughs> <laughs> Fuji cast. No, they don't, and you know that's not true. Anyway, welcome to the show. It's episode forty. We were trying to work out the other day when we got to um, number fifty-two, weren't we? And actually, it was a bit further along the road than we thought it was. We must have taken a couple of weeks off earlier during the year, didn't we? We did, we did. Easter last year, I think we skipped, yeah. And Uh, then we decided no more holiday. No more holiday. No more holiday. Not allowed. Uh, So I think it's uh, early to middle March. Do you think so? Might actually fall on uh, the photography show weekend. Will it? Maybe. I don't know. I think that's the 16th of March. We'll take a big stand there and do a show. (laughs) (laughs) You can pay. (laughs) Anyway, uh, coming up today, how to cope with small weddings that just don't get going. We did promise uh, last week to deal with the Flippy Floppy X Pro 3 screen uh, question. Um, And if your question's not on the show this week, don't worry about it. Um, Sometimes it takes days, sometimes a few weeks, sometimes a little bit longer. um, But please bear with us because it will be coming up soon. Um, And we have been talking a little bit about... um, This might be a a time to mention it. I didn't discuss this with Kev before. I'll just go ahead and say anyway. Uh That we started uploading to YouTube. Now, they aren't... (laughs) They're not all there yet. But um, we were discussing having... Either sometimes having a full episode on YouTube... Or maybe doing some sort of question mop-up, uh, which will be exclusive to the YouTube channel. You're writing something down, which means you're thinking of an idea. Uh, no, I'm reminding you to give me the password. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm reminding me to ask you to give me Why the password. Why did you just write that on the nice file that I bought for your show? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's what the kids do. <laughs> right. Um, send your questions to click at fujicast.co.uk. Today, by the way, we're going to hear from Joe Houghton, who is proof alone that if you think you have a book in you, you probably do. I'll be talking to him about his new, newly released book, Streets of Dublin. And despite him not being a full-time photographer, Joe managed, and you'll appreciate this because you've done a few books, uh, Joe managed to bring this book to life from shooting to publishing in less than two years. Mm, That's quite a task, isn't it? I love Dublin too. Yeah, I love Dublin. Amazing place. I haven't been for a long, long time. That's great, great. And uh, a little passing mention to our Facebook group. We're going to start with something from Facebook, as we're going to try and do every week now, <laughs> as long as we remember. Um, uh, thank you for, for your membership to that group. And if you're not in there yet, come join us, Just please. search for the Fujicast on yes. Facebook. You can find the Facebook group. Of course, not everybody does use Facebook. Um, I think Matt no. Hart is leaving Facebook in 2023, as he keeps telling us. <laughs> <laughs> but he is in the Facebook group at I'll the moment. I'll be leaving Facebook in 2023. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, that's my impression. He's, I'm going to get... Yeah. He, he doesn't listen. He yeah. won't know. Yeah. During the war. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Dod, Dodd Vickers. Oh, Matt, you're in such <laughs> trouble with Matt now. You really are. Dodd Vickers. So this is the Facebook conversation starter this week from Dodd Vickers. And yeah. he says, hi, guys. Some people listen to music while editing photos for a job. Oh, yes. What do you listen to? Uh, he's a podcast nerd and he says, uh, it doesn't need to be a photography podcast. I listen to The Morning Stream more than uh, most other podcasts for its sheer nerdiness. I don't yeah. know what that one is. Uh, obviously, I listen to the Fujicast. Uh, I also watch Kelby One webcasts in spite of their Canon Nikon focus. Uh, Kel- Scott Kelby stuff is great. He's yeah. been around a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you listen to when editing? Maybe we will all discover new material, photo bomb, this photo life, breathe pictures, all great, but I was looking for something new. So this is something that, this is a thread that did come up in the Facebook group, and so there was, and actually it was probably one of the busiest threads. It was. Um, that we had everybody yeah. kind of ducked Well, in. apart from when you decided to Join in with that thread, not saying goodbye to Brides and Grooms. <laughs> that was that was a pretty busy thread. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so what do you listen to? Well, uh, I'm going to be a bit boring. I do listen to podcasts. I generally listen to podcasts, and I listen to a lot of YouTube stuff. By the way, I don't necessarily watch it. Sometimes I um, mm. there's um, who's who's that guy Heaton. Um, has a YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, landscape. I know who you mean. Uh, photographer. No, I like I his keep, channels. I want to say Sean, but it's not. It's, no, is it David? Um, um, uh, oh, Bob Heaton. It's not Bob. No, it's not Bob Heaton. Um, Giles Heaton. No. 
This is a regular thing. This is bad. George, George Heaton. No. Wasn't he in the uh, Proclaimers? No, not the Proclaimers. Um, oh, God, you're going down a whole Blue, new road now. They, sang, they had an album called Blue. Um, David Heaton? Tom Heaton. Thomas Heaton. Thomas, yeah. Yes. Oh, that should, I should remember. That's my younger son's name. Uh, I think <laughs> we need to take our medication a bit earlier before we start recording. I like, <laughs> well, well, I like Thomas Heaton's uh, channel. And yeah. I listen to that a lot. Yeah, it's very um, good. He's very, very listenable. And uh, then I listen to an awful lot of uh, Artlist. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. If you can hear that rumble in the back. Can you hear this rumble? Can you hear that? We had, we've had like five weeks of roadworks outside this studio. Mm. And um, and they they laid the t- we couldn't have done this yesterday. Oh, the really? whole the whole building was shaking uh. as the tarmac was going down. Now they've come to white line it in the rain. It's just it's pouring with rain outside. <laughs> a waste of time painting a road white when white lines on them. Anyway, what do you listen to? I think it's waterproof paint. Is it? Honest. I think so. <laughs> I listen. Yeah, to- but not when it goes down. I know it's waterproof later on. <laughs> I um, I actually, you know what? I find it hard sometimes to listen to anything. Do I'm you? a bit of a quiet. Yeah, I need you to like a bit of quiet. quiet. Sometimes I will listen to, um, you know, I've got a as you have somewhere. I think a record player. Um, and uh, my record player is a modern one, so it's got a it's got Bluetooth in it, so I can put my oh. my head head uh, cordless headphone things on and listen to my old can, no. Johnny Cash records, Thames Van Zandt, <laughs> Guy Clark, Emmy Lou Harris, all of that stuff. I love that. Yeah. But the only problem is because the record player is over the other side of the room, yeah. and because they're records, each side lasts about eighteen minutes, and then I have to get up and go up to the other ah, side. But you need one of those. Over. Do you remember auto changers? I do remember all the changes. Yeah, so you used to have a little arm that came Mm. across and then it would drop the next record down each time. I'm not spending more money on record players. Um, But sometimes I'll listen to, on Spotify, I'll listen to... I don't really listen to podcasts, I have to say. Mm. Um, Not really when I'm at work, maybe in a car sometimes. Um, But I... I, um, This is very weird, but I listen to... uh, Gregorian chants. <laughs> um, you're laughing. It's true. You listen to Gregorian chants. What yeah. the? No <laughs> way. Yeah, it's very, very cathartic. While you're driving? Would no, when I'm editing. Oh, right. Like for what is a Gregorian chant? What does it say? It, what is, uh, is imagine, like, um, yeah, it's like monks kind of thing, but not 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 really religious. But it's it's just yeah, it's a bit like that. Mm. I might as well. I could just come here and listen to you. <laughs> <It'd> be brilliant. <laughs> um, but honestly, it's like that kind of stuff. That very um, uh, you a, know, yeah. it's very mindful. It's very mm. mindful because it's not bothering me. I'm not having to listen to the lyrics or anything. I'm not listening yeah. to a story. No. It's just there. Uh, and I find if I listen to so proper a, records... A Gregorian, that's a mantra then, isn't it? Have mm. you ever done um, m- um, meditation? Uh, no, I did yoga once, but I right. hurt myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah, the same well, thing. The lotus position, they couldn't untangle you. Yeah. But, but yeah, if you, do, um, if you do meditation, they teach you a mantra. Well, some meditations do. Hmm. Um, so I, I learned transcendental meditation. And um, many, many years Steve Earle did an album called Transcendental uh, Blues. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> yeah, well, this wasn't it. Okay. Um, so um, we, we all um, have our own mantra. You learn you, you, your own mantra, and you're not supposed to ever share it, even though friends of mine have said, does yours rhyme with? And I say, yeah. Does it sound like, yeah. It's exactly the same as mine. Nobody's supposed to share. What's yours? I can't tell you. <sighs> I haven't told anybody for 25 years. <sighs> That's a, what was the point in telling us that then? Well, yeah, but I'm just... It's like the... Mm, you have your own... Mm. Oh, I've got a really good secret. Have you? Yeah. Will you tell us? No. No. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> right, questions. Uh, Johan uh, Axelson, we promised to answer your question first. I just read on Fuji Rumours that the X-Pro3 might come with a tilt screen. So uh, we know it does now. I didn't want to read this out prior to launch, you see. So this question's been hanging about in the the question file. As we say, sometimes it takes a little bit longer to filter through. Uh, as I, I didn't really want to spectacularly put Kev on the on the spot, but it's out, so we can talk uh, about the findings. Actually, this week I think is when uh, it will be in the shops too. So oh right, I think okay. it's like twenty um, eighth, twenty third, right, twenty third, yeah, yeah, November. It's in the shops. Yeah, so you might even have it. So well, um, as he says um, about the X Pro three coming with a tilt screen, what are your thoughts about this? Personally, I don't like it at all. Says Johan, I don't have any good experience using one. Plus, it feels like. Uh, they become loose after a while and don't hold on as well um, to to a, uh, and don't hold up as well as a camera without one. Yes, sorry. Thank you for a great podcast. Keep up the good work. What's your thoughts? Because you've been using it a couple of weeks now. Uh, originally, it, you know, it was the elephant in the room 
thing, wasn't it? And people were thinking, why can't you just have a screen on the back? It doesn't need a tilt. I just want to be able to chimp when I want to chimp. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact is... Uh, I, that that thing about the tilt screens being loose and breaking, I Flippy think, is, floppy tilt is is not really. Certainly, I've had the XT one has had a tilt. Oh, the XT cameras, but they were very different X- articulation methods. Well, it's still, this it's one still, just just folds down, bomb done. Well, so that was so did the XT one originally, and not, they didn't break. So I don't think the breaking thing is a is a concern for me. No. Put it that way. Um, but the, definitely the uh, you know when we had the meetings about this camera, I I was for all for not changing the back. Right. So I just have a normal. Just LCD. A normal flat don't, don't have a tilt screen, screen on yeah, it. I didn't yeah. want a tilt screen. Yeah. That's my personal preference. That's what I said in in the meetings. That's what I said on my YouTube video. Um, but the, of course, the vast majority of people out there did want one. The market forces yeah. wanted one, so they put one in there. Um, and you know what? I've been using it now for uh, best part of a couple of months, I suppose. Yeah. The prototypes, um, and I've definitely got used to that flip screen and. It's not going to be for everybody, for sure. But I don't, th- I don't believe that this would be a reason to, um, you know, the tilt screen itself would be a reason to, to, to not buy it if yeah. you were looking at an X Pro camera. It might be the decision might be based on whether you want to use the XT3 or the X Pro3, and then whether the screen is, you know, if you're filming or whatever, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. But it's yeah, it's all right. It's it's it is an elephant in the room, put it that way. But I have been using it. I have been. I have to say the X, X Pro Three is is beautiful, mm. really is beautiful. Do you I'm mean not just that saying by that form factor or do uh, form factor use. the quickness the the nice why new is features it quicker to focus? Them. Is there a reason? Uh, well, it's meant it to be does the, seem a bit brisker. It's meant to be the same sensor as the XT Three, but yeah. but I I personally think it's there's a newer. Um, algorithm in there, which will almost definitely come to the XT3 anyway in a firmware oh. update. But uh, it's those gnome, feels, gnomes in the body are cycling faster. It seems with it feels snappier. It, it does. It looks. It does. It feel, it, it's for me. This is what a camera. I enjoy picking this camera up yeah. and using it. That you know, I look forward to going. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna photograph with that. Um, whereas I don't enjoy using the XT3. Never have. Although the XT3 is a very very good camera. I had a, ch- a chat with somebody that you know, Jack Lardenberg, um, the oh um, the documentary photographer in, um, in 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 London. Yeah. About this because he's just swapping from Canon now to Fujifilm, and he said to me, he said, "Well, the X X Pro3 looks really lovely, but but you know." Would I? I'm not sure if I can use two two different bodies, an X Pro Three and an XT Three. Mm. Well, Kev does. Yeah, I had the um, same conversation with him actually. Yeah, and and well, I, I, I said if you're if you're doing it for video, because I think he does a little bit of video, doesn't he? I said I, I, think I so. don't think the X Pro Three would be the right choice. No, 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 absolutely not. No, I totally agree with that. Um, it's yeah, it's it is what it is. Yeah, it's um, apparently so. So I've been told it's um, it's selling well pre-orders and everything yeah. so uh, it will never sell as many as the xt3 the xt3 will fly much quicker than the um x pro cameras do but they've they've made a little niche for themselves with it i they think have, they've done yeah. something yeah, yeah. done something different and if you do something different it's never going to be every, you're not going to please everybody by the way what has just fallen out of your lens cap <laughs> i'm tra- desperately trying to clean it up it looks like it's fag ash <laughs> it's not that it's mud what, what is it it's mud it's mud yeah i think it's- what have you been doing dragging it through it's mud falling out of your camera. What on earth have you been doing with it? Uh, it's, well, it's only a prototype, so maybe maybe it's Japanese mud that's fallen out. <laughs> maybe. Right. I don't know, really know where that's come from, I yeah. have to say. I'll just throw it on the floor. I'll, I'll hoover it up later. <laughs> right, your question. Okay, so I have a question from Ian Jeffrey, and he says, Hello. Thought I'd use my strong grasp of the Welsh language to get Kev's attention uh, <laughs> by saying hello. So, um, uh, oh, did did uh, somehow we've edited off probably the Welsh that he put oh, on there? Oh, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, Sorry maybe, about maybe. That. maybe. Yeah. Uh, yes. It was in there. He does end by saying which is uh, thank you very much. Anyway, uh, he goes on to say, I've got a question which I've always wanted to ask some fellow wedding photographers. How right. do you cope when a small wedding doesn't really get going? Oh. And when there isn't really much to photograph, uh, he goes on to say, that's happened to me in the past where I've been at a very small wedding, uh, maybe only 30 odd guests and where for the most of the wedding, all that's been going on is folks having just sitting down in little groups and chatting. Is it a case of standing nearby and waiting for something to happen? Or do you literally photograph what is actually going on, even if it's not much? Yeah. The the L word comes to mind for me when that happens. Lands- Luggles. La- Luggles. Yeah, <laughs> we're back to that. Landscape. 
the landscape of the wedding um and that can be where it's situated the geography of it i always I also think of detail within landscape um the landscape of a wedding is what i go and start photographing to to make sure they they can they can see you know all those details and things I've, you I, can't you can't just bully 15 people i booked a wedding <laughs> for an hour and a half two hours I booked a wedding this week, and I think it's potentially going to be one of the most interesting weddings I've ever photographed. Mm-hmm. It's on the Baltic coast in northern Germany. Oh, my word. It's in, it's 15 guests, yeah. and it's in a bubble. It's basically, what? it's basically a glass bubble right. on a stilt right. that overlooks the sea. With that sounds amazing. 15 chairs. Um, <laughs> and you. And me. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that will be similar kind of exercise. Um, but I can't wait for that. that that's that's, that's going to be great. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. How did you get that booking? I want to get YouTube. Well. well, the inquiry came via YouTube, and then um, See, this show shows you know people. I've, I've been talking about YouTube having a wedding. Well, he's channel a photographer. Ah, so he's a photographer. So uh, he's been okay. listening to my YouTube. All oh, right, I thought for a minute that no, 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 you'd got found on no, no. a video searching for a wedding photographer. And, right, no, okay. no. So, so but that is that is a good channel to to yeah, think about for your marketing strategy, isn't it? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I, I have to say, a lot of my inquiries these days are from other photographers and. Mm people in the industry anyway so that will be that will be a similar thing but yeah i landscape is good that's a good that's a good way of looking at it i often um and i mentioned this before think of a theme think of something to look for yes um whether that's uh, human connection eye contact laughter um and, and this uh, we've, again we've talked about this before as well use your uh, ears your use ears ears listen to the audio record the audio on your phone and take yourself out of the equation. Oh, listen, this, yeah. listen to the audio, yeah. and then that will tell you so much about yeah. what's going on at the wedding that you probably haven't picked up on. Um, and you did that on your street workshop. I didn't do you? that on my street yeah. workshops all the time. Yeah, we did it this week. I sent them all off, and sent them off with the. I used to say to them, right, leave your cameras with me. Go right. off with your phones. Record the audio. Yeah. I want you to find a street corner. Record the audio. Yeah. Come back. I'll give you your camera back, and then you you, you listen to the audio. Go back and uh, take pictures based on the audio you've heard in exactly the same wow. spot that you took the audio. It's a really thought-provoking way to do it. Yeah, so yeah. stuff like that. But, you know, the fact is, these, the, you know, you can't make things happen. You can only photograph stuff that happens in front of you, unless you're orchestrating it, of course, if you're, you know, you're, you're doing portraits and what have you. So uh, from a documentary point of view, it can be challenging, but, yeah. but it's, that's what they pay you for, and that's part of the, part of the, do- the job. Use your eyes, your ears, landscape, themes, yeah. audio... Um, this comes from, uh, if I hold this up to you, it's Nick, but this is his, um, well, in fact, I'll hold it up in a second. He said, by the way, Kev, that his favourite part of the show is when uh, we, or maybe you, uh, pronounce names and places that have proper epic failure. <laughs> <laughs> you see, if he hadn't phonetically spelt it, I think I'd be having epic failure at this particular point. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold up. How do you think you pronounce his name? There we are. Oh, my word. Uh, TC Goulds. Tissy Goss. <laughs> Nick's already laughing. Is it a silent T? C Goss. Ah, well uh, done. Silent. I hate silent letters in words. What's the point of them? Well, it's, it's called language. No, oh, silly. <laughs> Not if you live in that country. It's silly with a silent F. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Nick. Um, I don't know where to start with this um, because um, I, I'm, I'm hoping in, in no way this sounds self-indulgent in terms of me reading it out, self-congratulatory on our part as a podcast. But I did ask permission to read this, Kev, because, um, and I personally answered privately by email, and you'll understand why in a moment, and uh, came back to it because I, I was more than a little moved by how you feel you can share what is otherwise intensely private stuff uh, with us. And that's not just Nick, there's, there's other people that have done that over the past couple of months as well. And I, I, I'll be honest, I went into radio years ago because um, and it spoke to me in a, in a literal and, and quite emotional sense. I, I, I don't know whether you've, maybe because I was really interested in radio, Kev, have you ever been through that thing of when you were a kid hiding underneath the covers listening to the radio? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Or have you? Well, I well, funny enough, I used to when I was in university. I used to listen to two ten FM, which I think was your. That's, yeah, that's what yeah, you were on, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was. So yeah. I may have been listening to you under the covers <laughs> no, at some point no, in no, my life. Not overnight. Uh, yeah, I was. I used to listen at night time. Did you? Yeah, well, I wasn't on the night time show. Love. Oh well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd moved up in the world by then. <laughs> but no, I, um, you know, I know what you mean though. I used to listen to John Peel. Yeah, John Peel under the covers. I definitely used to listen. Uh, so when I was a young boy, I yeah. used to do a milk round when I was like eleven till about fifteen. Oh god, here we go. Warning! <laughs> warning! 
This could be another one of Kev's long stories. And uh, will this be as long as a lift shaft story of, of last week? No, so infamous I, I, story. I used to get up very early every day, including Saturdays, and do my, my milk round and then go to school. And then, um, so on a Saturday night, I would you know, usually be really very tired. But on a Sunday, I didn't have to get up to go to go on a milk round, right? So I would stay up as long as I could on, on a Saturday night and listen to listen to the radio. That, usually yeah. listening to the radio, yeah. not necessarily into the covers. And then I'd set my alarm to go off the same time as I would normally get up for the milk round. And I put my alarm on the opposite side of the room. And you know why I used to do that? I used to love... Otherwise you wouldn't turn it off? Or? No, I used to love getting up just for the love of the ability to switch it off and get back into bed. <laughs> I used to love that. So I would get up at, at like four in the morning or half past four or whatever it was. Yeah. It wasn't that early. It was probably about half six. Small things. Switch it off and go back to bed. Um, and I used to absolutely love that. I could go straight back to bed. Well, th- this whole idea of, of audio and, and you know, speaking to you, um, let me read Nick's words here. Um, and maybe you'll have some thoughts after us. My, my, uh, from Nick. Uh, my dad passed two months ago, and I'm struggling to get out and use my camera. And this was something I loved to do. I always carried a camera with me, but since his passed, it's just been tough to even think about it. It feels like it would be a good escape, and I miss him terribly, but I just can't do it. I live in Los Angeles, but I'm from Philadelphia, and I almost feel like being across the country is making it harder to heal. Either way... Um, enjoy the podcast it's helping immensely please keep up the good work um, and thank you for everything you're doing so so that's why I was a little bit concerned about the self-congratulatory bit at the end but but Nick thank you I mean if if um, listening to podcasts or radio all those kind of things make you feel like you're connected with somebody that this this one email um, of all the lovely emails that we get and we do get some really nice ones and interesting questions and funny and thought-provoking ones too but this one just uh, was a breathtaking away moment for me I don't know what you, what, what you feel about about getting out there again it's it's a you know we've yeah. I mean, I did write back to Nick. I didn't. I didn't want to write everything I wrote for obvious reasons, but mm. um, no, a rather clumsy fashion. I, I did make a suggestion. I said, take that camera to somewhere you like being with your dad, make a story, revisit. And yeah, while, while I think it's going to stir some strong emotions, I think your story and the pictures you will make will, will will be guided by some happy, sad, and reminiscent moments alone with your camera. And that might be a good way to get out there again. Didn't you do something similar with the? Is there a pier or a bridge or something with your father's name yeah, on it or something? Yeah, up in Suffolk? yeah, yeah. Well, it, he's he's um, uh, mum put a a, a a plaque, a plaque um, on the uh, on the pier with just his name. Yeah. And uh, because we used to go to Southwold Pier and, and beach and, and resort quite a lot, and so every time I go back to Southwold, I, I go and look for that. And I can never, I should remember what side of the pier it's on, but I, I, I never remember. I always have to go searching it down again. It's still but there, yeah, though. I made a film about going to to, mm. to polish, put some brasso on Dad's plaque. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm. I'm fortunate enough to have not not lost parents but you know we did recently have bereavement in the family and yeah. it whilst it's she not did, yeah. not the yeah. same probably doesn't have the same impact it does uh it does knock you back a little bit and yeah. it does can take a little bit out of you in terms of momentum and uh you know just kind of getting getting through stuff so yeah, yeah. well i hope it i hope things uh, ease a little bit yeah well look thank you nick for your for your mail, um, appreciated. I think we should hear from our interviewee this week. This is uh, Joe Houghton. Now, you, how many books have you done? Is it one or two? Uh, one. One. I thought you'd done two. No, I am, I'm currently You're writing one, in negotiation <gasps> about a second one, yeah. Okay, can you tell us what that's about? No. Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, Not until you tell me what your mantra was. <laughs> Does it rhyme with? <laughs> um, so, Joe... Um, has been photographing uh, for, for you know over over a decade now, but it's not his main job. And so to actually put a book together, a street walk book about the streets of Dublin, you love Dublin, don't you? Love it. Yeah, it's a wonderful it. city. Dublin's um, first city. And, and he's, he's taken it from uh, conception to actually being published. And you can buy this year book through Amazon. And he's done it all within, within. So it's less than two years, which is... Uh, which I think it's a challenge. Or is it? Because as you're about to find out, the project for making the photos for the book, well, that was, that was the harder part, only in terms of the collation of pictures, because that, that's the thing that takes the time. We're photographers, after all. We want, we want to get it right. The getting it printed, the publishing, the distribution, even the writing part, that was actually the easiest part. 
And it turns out, you're about to find out, that if you have a book in you, if you're thinking, well, what about that road trip across the States five years ago? That, that could make a good book. Well, if you have a book in you, I'm hoping the next 15 to 20 minutes is going to change your life. This week's guest is Joe Houghton. I'm going to sound not very down with a youth, um, Joe, when I say I had no idea if you, uh, if you bought Streets of Dublin that you would receive it free on Kindle too. I don't, I don't own a Kindle. I'm still a pick-a-piece-of-paper-up merchant. I wasn't even aware that you consume photography books through a Kindle, but clearly you can. Yeah, I wasn't either. And it was one of the things that uh, came to me, I suppose, as I started to put the book together over the last three or four years Almost all my book reading has been on Kindle. So it was just something that I in, uh, investigated while I was writing, writing, and uh, it turned out that it would, it would work quite well. So before we talk about your, your book, Streets of Dublin, I want to rewind and find out a little bit more about Joe Houghton, the person. In, in particular, how a lad from Northern England finds himself living in Dublin, making pictures and organising photo walks in Grafton Street, which is where uh, you poetically tell me to cite Ed Sheeran's song about that same street that you fell in love with an Irish girl. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, re- rewind 20-odd years, um, living in England, working as, as some other of your guests have been in IT, happily married, um, went through a bereavement. My wife died, and um, eventually uh, met an Irish girl and followed her to Dublin. So that was that was the move. And then, you know, once I was in Dublin, plugging in, um, started to teach photography. I hooked up with a with a, a friend of mine, and we we started to to teach photography. And that really has just continued um, as a as a a kind of passionate sideline of mine, I suppose, for for nigh on 20 years now. But you're also an Adobe certified expert for Lightroom, aren't you? Are you still doing that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've used Lightroom since it was in its first beta. Um, And I've always enjoyed the software. Uh, It does 80, 90% of what I think most photographers need. Um, occasionally jump into Photoshop. I've been playing with Capture One recently as well because the tethering is better for Capture One. But Lightroom is just a joy to use, and uh, and yeah, I've I've taught that and done videos on it and, mm. and stuff. I had a one to one earlier earlier on today with a, with a chap who's just kind of getting into photography. And when I just we forget we forget, I think as as photographers, whether we're amateur or professional, just how powerful these this software is. And this guy was. He's just coming up to retirement. He, he came for a couple of our sessions to have a look at his camera. What can I do with this to get a photo? And I was showing him what he, we could do if he you know, shot RAW rather than JPEG and, yeah. and the processing. And his jaw just dropped. Lecturer, educated teacher, problem solver. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's all teaching, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, all, it's all helping people kind of get more out of their life, whether it's professionally or personally. Your, your pictures, I mean, you're a Getty contributor. The BBC seemed to love you, along with a raft of others. So, I mean, it didn't really start until digital um, started to take hold, did it, where, where, where your success uh, b- began to emerge? I think if you, if you keep putting your work out there, if it's of a, a reasonable quality... You know, it'll get picked up now and again, um, and I think that's that's kind of what I've done. Is is I've I've tried to put my work out there uh, as as much as I can. Right, Streets of Dublin, sixty images of this amazing city just released. You're now formally a book I can buy through Amazon, which I think sounds quite cool, Joe. Uh, and it only really started in 2018, so here we are, barely two years later, and you're published. Surely you weren't working on anything else during this time. That's enough to do it for, for one project alone. Well, I was I was doing all my normal teaching, college teaching and consulting and lecturing and all the rest of it and my one-to-ones. But from a photography point of view for myself, I suppose, no, I, I was looking back actually at 2018, 2019, and I, I guess 70% of the shots that I took over the last couple of years have been black and white shots, street photography shots, um, got a couple of consultancy gigs in in Dublin, and I live about eight miles out of Dublin, so I don't go into the city much. And I found myself, you know, having to go in two or three days a week. Yeah. Um, parking is horrendously expensive. Mm. It's a bit like London. I think they're trying to kind of make people not use the car. So I ended up 
following a suggestion my wife made and, and Penny one, one morning she said well, well why don't you go on the bus and I kind of looked at her and my my first reaction was Ugh. <laughs> a bus? You know, kind of the great unwashed <laughs> yeah. I, and, and I still had this vision of the buses from you know the 50s 60s 70s and and anyway I tried it we've got a really good bus service and, and it was brilliant but I couldn't get my Nikon D810 and even with a nifty 50 on and certainly not with like a 2470 or something into my little messenger bag you know I, I looked around and uh, there's another podcast I've listened to for a while Derek Story the nimble photographer oh, right, over yeah. in the States yeah yeah um you know he he'd espoused the value of going light with your kit and using little cameras tried tried the Olympus stuff too small for my my fingers and stuff and then i think that's about when i came across you guys and started reading about fuji and picked up my first fuji which was the x100s just second hand and that fits in a messenger bag and so i used to get on the bus in the morning half an hour early going to wander around dublin for half an hour 40 minutes before work and then out at lunchtime and just started shooting and that was the beginning of 18 months of street photography and kind of falling in love with taking pictures again just for me. Dublin's not the largest city, but neither is it small. How on earth did you decide which parts on these, these morning walks then to include? It's, it's kind of built along the river, Dublin, mostly. Um, and and the, the contract kind of that I was involved in was near uh, one of the cathedrals, Christchurch. If you basically stay on the bus past Christchurch and carry on along the Liffey as if you're heading into the harbour area, you can get off on O'Connell Street Bridge, which is the main bridge in the centre of Dublin. And then you've got a half an hour walk back towards Christchurch through this lovely area of Dublin, which is known as Temple Bar. And it's cobbled streets. It's an mm. old Viking city yeah. and tiny little alleyways and meanders and stuff, which you never see in the car, ever. So I've learned so much about Dublin in the last 18 months by just getting out on my feet and just wandering past alleyways and going into them. There's a high-def feel to your black and whites in this book. Whilst a lot of street work seems to be shadow play, and um, I'm a particular fan of Fan Ho-styled work, yours leans the other way. It's vivid, it's bold in terms of post-production. Is is that a conscious style? I'm, I'm guessing it is. It emerged in the first couple of months of me shooting. I, I started shooting, well, the first few weeks I, I, I kind of shot in colour because I was experimenting with Fuji and everybody had raved about all the wonderfulness of Fuji colour. I'm colourblind, uh, which is an odd thing to say for as a photographer, uh, but I'm, I'm red-green colourblind. So right. I was interested to experiment with black and white. Um, so I ended up setting the setting on the um, X100S so that it would shoot in black and white. So I was shooting raw, but it, it was showing me black and white on the back screen. Yeah. And then I started importing, obviously, as you do, into Lightroom. And what I found was if I set my preset on import, so I applied the black and white preset straight onto import, I could set the workflow up so I actually never saw the color image because I found that I was actually processing the files differently if I only ever saw them in black and white. And I, I played around for a month or so, tried different looks. I was going to use Instagram as my main, if you like, distribution channel at that point. So I went for a square crop. And then I've always loved Nick, Nick Silver effects. So a bit of initial processing in Lightroom and then drop it into Nick, um, apply some structure um, and, and quite a lot of grain to kind of get that grit. Mm. Um, a heavy, heavy vignette round round the outside, and that's kind of my look. And then I created a few of my own presets to give me that look. Well, you mentioned the square as well, and um, um, which is something you fully embraced for for the book. All sixty images are square. Mm-hmm. Well, what challenges did that bring, though? It's obviously a, a compositional challenge because you know you're shooting oblong on the camera. All the shots were coming in. In, in landscape and it's funny actually because i've been doing talks to a few of the local camera clubs around around the project in the last month or so and and when i was putting the talks together i've shown them some of the square images but i also show them the landscape image because ah, sometimes yeah. they work better as a landscape but the constraints of the project as i'd as i'd imposed it on myself if you like were no these are square shots 
but but some of them are, are also going to feature you know in future as landscape shots because they do work better that way so if you pick up this book it's not so much a book rammed with pictures edge to edge but it, it's a kind of considered almost journal approach i think to to the how and why and you talk at a fairly great length sometimes about how you made the picture sometimes a bit more backstory there's some tech stuff in there do you think that sort of thing then was missing off the shelves when it comes to books like this? The idea for my book came from Valerie Jardin. I don't know whether you've come yeah. across Valerie. Oh, yes. She's fantastic. Oh, yes. I think yeah. you've interviewed her, haven't you? No, not um, yet. Not yet. Not yet. Oh, well, you must. She's, she's great. But she's she's a um, Parisian photographer, and she brought out a, a book um, last year, and I, I read that. And I enjoyed her her approach, which was kind of similar to mine. So she was telling stories, um, and that's what I've embraced with the street photography is is this whole idea of storytelling. I mean, I'm I don't consider myself to be a street photography expert by any means. I've just embarked on a journey into that genre, and I've I've built up a something of a body of work. And I don't know whether it's any good or not, but it's what I've done. So the book was really just me putting down. Well, here's where I started from. And, and here's where I've got to so far in, in uh, kind of 18 months or so. Um, and just kind of sharing that the story of that journey and, and, and how I got there. When, when we spoke on the phone briefly the other day, you mentioned that you were surprised how easy it was to, to take the leap and produce or if, if you like publish a book, which, which is heartening because if it were true that there is a book in every one of us, Joe, you're living proof that you just have to get on and do it. What, what, have, yeah. what, what have you learned along the way about making a photographic book? I suppose the biggest thing is it's it's very achievable. Um, it, it was one of those bucket list things that I never really thought I would do. Um, but flicking through Instagram, as I often do of an evening, I, I realized that I was wasting, you know, almost an hour an evening sometimes on, on social media. <laughs> yeah. And I started to, I, I just, that evening, I, I put it down and I said, right, I'm going to use this hour. And I opened up a Google Doc. And I started writing. And six weeks later, so, you know, 50 hours of writing later, I had the book. I, I don't think it's going to win any literary awards. It's, it's me talking onto the page. And then it was just a matter of figuring out um, Amazon, um, Kindle Direct Publishing, KDP, which is pretty easy. I mean, they walk you through the process. So, sorry, um, who, who did you do that? So you, you, you used what to do that? So I used, I used a thing called Amazon um kdp kindle KDP. direct publishing okay um so you basically just google kdp and up it comes and and it's a series of pages and they they tell you to upload the pdf here and put in the keywords and and various terms and things and then a week later you get an email saying you are now a published author and how Um, does how does that work with regard to um because you've not bought a print run of say 500 or a thousand as people purchase the book, how does that work? It's print on demand. So basically, I mean, Amazon have created this whole infrastructure. So anybody can create a book and, and upload it. So it's all done electronically. So let's say you, you log on to Amazon now and you find Streets of Dublin and you order a copy. Then they just print that and they ship it to you. You know, if I as an author want, want 50 copies, I can just order a box full and then they'll, they'll, they'll print them up and they'll send them to me. So it's, it, it, it makes the whole process very, very easy. And it can be absolutely free. The only cost to me, apart from time, obviously, was that I bought the, the ISBN number, you know, the, the number on the yeah. barcode at the yeah, back yeah. of the book. Um, if you want the books distributing into physical bookshops, you have to buy your own ISBN. And is, is that an expensive process? No, no. I bought. You can buy a, a, a block of ten for about a hundred and twenty pounds. Oh, okay, all right. Um, or, or one costs eighty pounds. I think so. You know, you buy a block, block of ten and keep them for your next book. I think on Amazon UK, it's it's nine pounds. Yeah. Is it eight or nine pounds? Something like that. If if I sell a paperback on Amazon, I think I get three euro. There's the print cost of uh, I think is about two fifty or something, and then they charge a distribution cost, and and then three euro kind of gets added into my account. Um, another side of your photographic life is the street walks, and you work with your wife, don't you? And actually, the the night walks, the the day walks, the night walks in particular, which I've heard people love. How, how did that all come about? It's funny when we first met. The the, the first thing that I, uh, I I kind of did to 
to try and woo Penny was was invite her out on a, on a photo walk, um, <laughs> which like we style. actually never did. We, oh, right. we actually okay. ended up cancelling it and going to a concert at the National Concert Hall oh, instead. Okay. Um, but we did go out on photo walks subsequently, and and she became you know enamoured of um, of Lightroom. Um, as a graphic designer, she knew Photoshop inside out, but she'd never seen Lightroom, and, and her jaw dropped when she saw what it could do. So we, yeah, you know, as we as we got to know each other and got married, and, and um, certainly before the children came along, um, we we used to go and do this stuff together a lot. You've got a few photo walks coming up, so do you mind sharing the dates? Yeah, we've got a Christmas lights walk, um, which is where we we meet on uh, Grafton Street uh, in the centre of Dublin. I mean, just like London, you know, Dublin is lit up for Christmas, so. Uh, it's a walk where we just amble around for a couple of hours shooting all the lovely Christmas decorations. Yeah. And because there's so much light around with the Christmas decorations, you can also kind of do a bit of evening and night street photography as well. So that's normally a pretty popular um, walk. And then um, a bit later on over the Christmas holidays, we're going we're gonna to put another, another of the night walks along um, the Dublin um, Liffey uh, River. Uh, where we shoot all the bridges um, and that's again that's a a different walk most people don't shoot at night most people even people you know who who might shoot a lot during the day with their cameras the thought of actually going out and shooting at night is is very new to it's a lot alien of people. to some people yeah 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 and and you get beautiful shots because of all the reflections and the colour uh, and stuff. So, uh, so yeah, they're always interesting walks for well, people to come on. We'll be sure to share your, your website in the show notes. Um, j- just finally, now this is all done, talking book-wise, what's next? I, I, I'm imagining you're keen to reboot and tackle another book, surely? Yeah, I'd, I mean, now I know that it can be done. There's, there's definitely a, another book kind of mulling. Um, I, I'd like to write a book for kind of beginning photographers, because I've taught photographers to start photography for a while mm. but that's a pretty saturated market so i'm i'm trying to figure out an angle um and i i'm also wondering whether i can do something more on street photography perhaps in a color format rather than just staying with the black and white so yeah k- kicking around a few ideas but yeah. i mean that book only came out in mid-september um so it's still pretty new. Oh, I want you to be um, pro- prolific, Joe. More, more, more. Absolutely, more, might, more, might, more. Might, yeah. I, might I suggest one? Dating through Lightroom. <laughs> You're looking for an talk, original I'll angle. I'll talk to Penny about that and see what <laughs> yeah. she says. Yeah. Joe, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, the book's fabulous. We will leave, obviously, links so people can find you, although you've given it a nice Amazon plug as well. And uh, all the best for, for future books that uh, are to come as well. Well, many, many thanks for having me on. I've, I've been really enjoying the show over the few, last few months. Uh, you're, you're my trip into, into college most, most weeks. Oh, there so, we go. It's great. So, Joe, thank you very much for your time recording that. I thought that was an interesting story this week because uh, yeah. if you've been thinking about publishing a, a book and you thought, oh, yeah, I've got a great idea for a book, Joe is proof that you should just go out there and do it. Yeah, so, And I look forward to your new book coming out, whatever it's about. Mm, it's about mantras. Uh, okay, so this comes not from, sharing. <laughs> this comes from Sam Meggs, right? And he says, "Hi Neil and Kevin, I was just wondering what your favourite or most useful thing that you bring to every wedding or shoot that isn't directly oh. camera or lighting related. Okay. Do you have something that is an absolute must-have when you are on the job? Uh, doesn't say where Sam's from, but he's uh, 05 His phone, whatever that is, O five. Don't know what that is. Maybe no Mexico idea. or something. Uh, okay. No, Samuel Meggs. Um, oh, blah, that's a difficult one. Mm. It's easy to think of things in the camera bag that I you know like to use during the day i've got thomas bought me this really cool it's um a credit card sized um it says flat it's a credit card sized uh utility something like bat utility thing that can uh unscrew things um i i use it a lot for Uh, right yeah like um, a swiss army knife it is but it's like a credit card size one Hmm. that's fantastic that's one of my favorite things yeah cool um it was a father's day present yeah so you can fix the wedding dress and stuff and whenever... Oh, I can do it, anything like that. You could even use the little bit that comes out the end. You could use to pull across, because you took the mickey out of me taking knitting needles, <laughs> you, crochet needles rather. You know when you, you know when somebody says, anybody got a crochet needle so I can pull across a little, the, the, wide, the windy bit over the, the, the button, the elastic bit? And I say, yep, got one of those. It would just, if I did that, the whole dress would just fall <laughs> apart in a crumbling <laughs> ash <laughs> desk and mess. <laughs> 
Um, I don't know. I don't have anything really. I have. I do have a uh, little painting that Rosa drew for me when oh. when she was teeny weeny. Uh, it's a little crayon drawing. Yeah. Uh, and I always make sure that's in my camera bag. It says I love you, Daddy, but oh. it doesn't really say that. It's just kind of scribbles. Yeah. But that's always in my oh, bag. I see. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But it's orange and blue. Yeah. So I always have that. And that's it. I do, yeah, I don't really have any... It's a bit of a boring answer, really, isn't it? I don't have any... There's nothing in my camera bag that... I mean, there's lots of things that are always there. It doesn't there. have to be in your camera bag. It can be just something you take. You could take jam. Oh, no, maybe not. She's not very happy about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, Gemma. I know we're not supposed to use it. But I can't use this every time for Gemma, can I? That would be wrong. <laughs> end up getting divorced again okay. <laughs> um no i don't know i think yeah i i do like i like to i do take um like a pack of peanuts and stuff like that most well, that's food that's that's yeah. utilitarian stuff isn't yeah. it stuff to keep you alive yeah i'm a bit boring what really. do you snack on by the way when you're at a wedding uh nuts if i take yeah so i always i will always take um like a sandwich and stuff in the car well, i'm actually saying that always i don't always but yeah. i usually have a bag of nuts or something as an emergency just in case if they don't feed me um but that's it I mean, quite many, many occasions I've gone through, you know, left the house at six in the morning, not being fed at a wedding, and the first thing I eat is the three Ginsters pasties and the, yeah, and the petrol the, station on yeah, the way home. Yeah, this really, really bad habit, and I, I got into that, you know, mm. not being able to stop for petrol without buying, oh, yeah. you know, um, a protein bar and a milkshake and a... Oh, well, I can't, I just can't go past baby. anything that says Ginsters on it, I have to stop and just get 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 it all. Do you, what, what, you buy the, the whole Everything, lot? whatever. I just go in. I'll have the whole lot, please. Thank you very much. Give me all your Ginsters. Any petrol? No, just the <laughs> no, Ginsters. just the Ginsters. Does this car run on Ginsters? <laughs> Thank you for your question. Ron Villar. Um, great podcast, gents. It's been a huge resource for my photographic self-education, as well as both your blogs. Oh, that's nice. Hmm. You've set the bar for me to aspire to. Kevin, well, I, I, I've got to an age now where I can't sort of, I just can't get underneath that bar anymore. I had a go at a wedding recently. They they had one of the limbo bars out. <laughs> and there was this kind I'd of... Like to see Neil, that. Neil, 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 Neil. I thought, no, please don't do this. No, no. But, you know, you've just got to do it, haven't you? Uh, well, I would be able to just walk underneath it without even ducking. <laughs> Question. Kevin, you wrote a post on your blog, f16.click, looking for the light about how you shot the images. Uh, you mentioned you generally spot meter, record the exposure, and then dial it in manually. I just wanted to know what that is and how does dialing it in manually change the overall look of the photo? Is it a function of street photography, the metering, or is it purely just something that you do? That That's Ron for New York. Okay, so uh, this, the, the metering, so I would, I would only dial in the exposure if the light was not changing. Right. So let's just say, uh, hypothetically, from a street photography point of view, you're on a street corner, it's very, the sun is very high, and there's a very distinct shadow and highlight area. Uh, and I want to get one of those pictures where people are walking out of shadow into highlight, so it yeah. almost looks like their heads floating. Yeah. Oh, the know. camera can't be changing as you're doing that sort of stuff. No, exactly. Like. So I'll spot meter for the highlight area, and I'll get the exposure from from the camera reading. So let's just say it kicks out five thousand uh, five hundredth of a second yeah. f eight ISO one sixty or something. And because I know that the light isn't going to change, and I know exactly what I want, then I'll take those three parameters that the camera has given me and just dial those in manually. And then it's just a case of taking the picture rather than worrying about the exposure. Yeah. But if the light is changing or I'm moving... It's a sort of fan-ho approach, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. guess. Uh, but if the light is changing or I'm moving around or anything, then I'm uh, a spot meter in will give me a more precise uh, exposure for what I want. Um, but I'm not going to be dialing it in manually every time. It's only only literally if I find a nice space that I'm happy with and the light doesn't change again, yeah. then then that's cool. Um, uh, otherwise, light, light, light's changing all the time. Uh, how, do you, how does that change your day? Well, if it if I'm if it's bland like like the weather we have here today is just grey skies, then I probably wouldn't even spot meter. I would probably just you know set the exposure mm. ma- either manually or use the um, average weighted meter in or something and just go with that. And leave it is. Um, but if the light is is um, if there is good light, but there's buildings in the way, and I'm moving through shadows and everything like that, then I will literally I'll set my camera, and I'll zone focus at whatever f eight or five point six or however much the light is going to allow, yeah. and then I'll I'll just point the camera at the highlight area on the ground or the wall, wherever half depressed, lock the exposure in, and bring the camera back up. And Bob is your uncle. Bob is your uncle. Done. Mm. Um, solved. Thank you, Ron. Your question. I have a question here from, um, it's uh, Jan in Berlin, or maybe Jan in Berlin. Uh, it says, hi, Neil and Kevin. Uh, this one goes to Neil. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Fair enough. Uh, there's three questions actually. So number one, oh God, here we go. In your YouTube film about the uh, the international 10 kilogram camera bag, yes, uh, you list all your gear without mentioning a stabilizer. Mm. When you go into when you go onto the street filming, do you take a Black Seven GoPro or the XT3 with an exceptional steady hand? Okay. Question number well, one. Well, yeah. Um, don't read all three and then expect me to remember them. Um, so no, I didn't take a stabilizer to the Gambia for that film uh, uh, because I just didn't have the the room in the bag. Number one, and number two, I was expecting to do a lot more um, on the pegs, kind of um, you know, photography where I was just interviewing people. It was, gonna be t- it was supposed to be um, talking heads. Um, yeah, tripod, yeah. tripod and stuff. Yeah, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. that's what I thought I'd be doing more of. Mm. But actually, um, I found. I had a, a pretty steady hand, um, and I wouldn't use the. Um, I certainly wouldn't use the GoPro um, Seven for for you know just generally making film footage. It's great for the action stuff. And the only the reason I use that that GoPro is because I, I held it out the car on a stick mm. to get that sand being kicked up by the cars we were driving a, yeah. down one of these sandy. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that with uh, with a, an XT3. Do you when you're when you're filming like that though with the XT3 have you have you got something like a gorilla pod underneath? Holding sometimes it? yeah, sometimes I put I, I lock I, I screw the gorilla pod in mm. and I hold that gorilla pod yeah. and I find that's that steadies yeah. Okay, number two, uh, the background noise is great. Mm. Really like it. Uh, doing doing similar stuff myself, but with less quality. <laughs> have you got the shotgun mounted onto the XT3 or do you carry it around just taking sound samples? A mixture of both. Sometimes I leave it on the camera. And do you know what? Those for I, I assume you're talking about when the uh, the aircraft noises and all that kind of stuff. I, I think he's on about the ambient noise. Yeah, so some the of that stuff I add in. Overlay. Some of that yeah. I just overlay, and you can you can find stuff. And I've got great libraries of stuff as well. Yeah, and I just sometimes add stuff in. Um, that's the thing about filmmaking, actually. A, a lot of the time, the, the sound or the foley or the sound effects that you're hearing are not necessarily recorded at the time. So, uh, do you me- like you like sound effects? Do you? I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Never noticed. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, no. um, yeah. Sorry, but there was a part of that film. Do you remember? Uh, I don't. Have you seen the film? I think he's yeah. talking about the one with the the rat in the um, yeah, where the cars got stolen. Uh, yeah, but the the, the the rat. I think he's talking about the rat in particular. That noise that was outside the window it ah. just wasn't loud enough i had to recreate that the next day with with the actual rat cage oh okay so i did have to come recreate it oh my god yeah. that's that see that that thing we did actually clever. also mock one up with my son jack because i wasn't sure whether that was going to be uh, uh, good enough so we took a, a saucepan out uh, behind the studio here um, one evening and bashed it with a wooden spoon but it wasn't the same so uh, i had to use the rat the actual rat <laughs> one that i'd done Wow. Documentary filmmaking, it's, it is most creative. Um, okay, last but not least, you didn't mention a laptop. So either you've got loads of SD cards or you use a laptop to save all the data to when you come back to the hotel, what's your workflow? Yeah, I, I took a laptop. And actually, when I'm travelling on aeroplanes, I am a bit of a cheat with that 10 kilogram because that would have taken over 10 kilos. I held the laptop underneath my arm as I got on board the aircraft. Uh, do you know, I've never, ever had my hand luggage weighed. Well, I have. I have never yeah, happened. Yeah. I mean, my hand luggage is always way over because I don't. I generally don't oh, just, carry anything else. Can you, can you else imagine on. them saying, "I'm sorry, Mr. Mullins, um, this is over. What what bit of your camera kit would you want to put in the hold?" No, they just charge you. It's a money making exercise, isn't it? No. Yeah. What about all those times you see stuff and cases? Oh no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, if you want to put it in the hold, yeah, uh, yeah. I get. I, I mean, that's no. They say we'll put it in free. No, I don't want it in there free. No, no, no. You yeah, want it with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I absolutely. I see that happening all the time. It's never happened to me, but I see yeah. it happening all the time. Um, Maybe it's the low cost carriers that I, I insist on flying. But normally, it's never. They've never weighed my hand luggage. Are they not? No. Well, I'll tell you what. You go on Ryanair, they do. Uh, um, well. Some airports, they do. <sighs> Oh, yeah, okay, right. Uh, is it my go? I don't want to fall out. No, it's your it. go, it's your go, it's your go. I just oh, asked the okay. questions, but you answered them. All right. Um, oh, here we go. This this one's good. Hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. Enjoying the podcast as ever. Would love to have come to the Brighton meetup, but unfortunately, it's set at R. Maybe you will consider doing one up north. That's not the question, but we would. Where would we go up north? Up north. Mm, Reading? <laughs> Oxford? <laughs> No, that's north. <laughs> oh, I don't know Newcastle. Uh, I like the idea of Newcastle's Newcastle. great. Manchester, love Manchester. Edinburgh, love Edinburgh. We did a workshop at Manchester together, didn't Manchester, we? We should do Liverpool. another joint joint workshop. I quite like the beach though. Hull. Hull. <laughs> well, there's a beach there. Hull's actually really nice. Yeah, I like Hull. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, here's my question. This is from Greg Smith of Huddersfield. Or maybe Huddersfield would be a, a place to go. How about new? No? Okay. Um, having recently had another shutter fail on me on a, on a Nikon D3. Oh, hang on. Warning. Warning. This isn't an anti-Nikon thing. Please don't start writing in. It could have been another flavour. At only 127,000 actuations. I was wondering, Kevin, do mirrorless cameras fail? What usually fails on them? How long uh, do they last by comparison to DSLRs? Um, do they last longer? I seem to go through DSLRs at a rate of about one per year or every 18 months, which is not only expensive but frustrating as they always seem to fail at critical moments. I don't, I don't throw my cameras around or generally mistreat them, so maybe I'm just unlucky. Oh, this sounded initially like a man who doesn't believe in dividers. <laughs> but uh, clearly he does um you, you know it's interesting because you when i was in my dslr days mm. they you know you'd buy a camera and it would say on the specifications would be like shutter life of one hundred and fifty thousand yeah. or something yeah. um yes of course mirrorless cameras would would they don't have a mirror flapping around inside and that's that's usually what goes bang on a dslr mm. but you know they do have a shutter there are mechanical bits that could and would yeah, break removable bits inside yeah of course uh, i i have never had I have to say, I've never had any of my touch cameras word, die. Um, you know, I, I I have seen some people who have, you know, you kind of, what I don't know how to refer to them. I hate that term, spray and pray. But people who, you know, go to a wedding and take like 20,000 shots. Yeah, yeah. And that's God, absolutely that fine. Shot if, must be growing. If that's what they want to do, that's yeah. what they want to do. Yeah. But they, they typically are the ones that, that kind of come to me and say, oh, I've only had this camera two years and, and yeah. it's, you know, it stopped working. And I'm like, yeah, it's because you've taken 500,000 pictures on it. Um, yeah. You know, so, th- but yeah, I mean, typically they should last longer, put it that way, um, in terms of shutter and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, dials, you've got more dials on the, the Fujifilm cameras, you don't really have dials on DSLR, so you've got more, no, there's more capacity yeah, for the yeah. dials to break. Yeah. Um, Especially when one do you pull up when you move the ISO and drop them back down again. Yeah, all of that stuff, levers, buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, of course they can break, but um, the shutter is not something I'd ever... I don't, I don't. I just know. I have no kind of. I never buy a camera these days and think, oh, it's only going to last 150,000 clicks. Yeah. doesn't come into my mind. And I think that's a mirrorless thing rather than a, anything else. So you, you might be safe, Greg. Right, your question. Okay, so I have a question from... Amit Dale Yavdav. <laughs> no, here, here we go. It's true. Amit Dale Yavdav. Oh, is it? Yadav. 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 There we go. Damn it. <laughs> Hi, Kevin and Neil. Love your podcast. Uh, yada, 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 yada. Um, I am a hobbyist and I love, photog- I love photographing my kids, uh, but many times the exposure of the final photograph is not what I had expected. I think I'm doing something wrong, but my my meter. Uh, I think I'm doing something wrong with my metering mode. Yeah. I'm a Sony shooter. Perhaps share some experience about metering mode you use while family photographing, yeah. photographing family sessions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you tried VSCO VSCO presets? Um, because as much as I love Lightroom, sometimes I want to make life a little easier and just want to enjoy the process. Yeah. I ask this because I, I want to emulate your warm black and white pics in mm. uh, VSCO, but even after trying, I have not succeeded. Hope you can help. Well, yours is not visco setting for a start. No. No. Uh, okay, so two points it's, to this. It's handmade. Much loved handmade with graft. Mm. Uh, so the metering and family photography, without kind of seeing the pictures, it's it's hard to, to think perhaps what might have happened. Yeah. Um, but what I would say is, uh, you know, tr- see light as your friend, not your enemy. Work with the light. See where the light is coming from. Um, you know, you bear that in mind. Otherwise, you might be fighting against it using exposure compensation, just getting silhouettes, etc. Um, you know that's that's kind of it and it's the Sony it doesn't say which Sony camera but it's a Sony camera so it's a mirrorless camera which means that what you see in the viewfinder should be what the picture is going to be like so you know always remember that when you press the button that effectively uh, although it might be re-metering at half depress but half depress first look what the image will look like and then finish the finish the shot and, and you should be you should be getting what you what you're seeing in the viewfinder at that point alternatively the only other thing i can think of is maybe your lcd brightness or viewfinder brightness is up too high or too low so your exposure is not a true accurate representation of what you're seeing in the viewfinder and then the answer about the vsco vsco stuff visco vsco i think they've stopped making those now haven't they um 
is that I don't use those. I, I mean, I have had them in the past actually, and they were pretty good in fairness. But I, yeah, my black and white preset is uh, is a kind of um, something I've I've built up yeah. over the years. And the thing is, uh, Amit, when you get a preset that you when you get a look you like in Lightroom, just hit the the little plus icon on the preset we'll list save and save it as save a preset. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and away you go. So, uh, yep, there we go. Thank you, Amit. Sorry, I got your name wrong, along with everybody else. <laughs> Martin Hernandez Rosas. I'm a huge fan of the show. Hope you'll be, be able to answer two of the questions, chaps. One, I recently had an image I uploaded to my personal Facebook and Instagram downloaded and shared on another Facebook page. Although I was given credit on the post, I noticed that a lot of people took the image and posted it on their own Facebook. Not as their own, I hope. You could say this is my most viral photo. Unfortunately, I didn't get any followers out of it, inquiries or personal satisfaction for the event. I actually feel a bit ripped off. I don't watermark my images, but after that incident, I'm reconsidering the whole thing. What are your thoughts on watermarks on images? Do you two personally do it? How do you protect your images from being stolen or used without your consent? Hmm. Kev's actually um, been at the the real rock face with people taking pictures and using them commercially, haven't you? Hmm. Yeah, I, I've been in a legal battle and mm. um, and won, but not it, something you want to do, though. No, not at all. And it's, the thing is, it happens. I, I, you know, we live in a digital world, and your pictures are digital. They're public. Uh, well, they're not public, as in people have got the rights to use them, but they're publicly there to see. So it is wrong. But it does happen, uh, and it will happen. Uh, I, I, my, not so much my wedding pictures, although it does happen to those as well. But my F sixteen stuff, those pictures just go everywhere, like yeah. absolutely everywhere. And there's, there's no, there's uh, not much I can do about it, so I don't worry about it. But watermarking them would, would then give you a bit of publicity, wouldn't it? Yeah. So yeah. I do watermark my images, but only small in the bottom left hand corner, and it just says my surname. That's yeah. it. It's very subtle. Mullins. I don't think I hate when I see pictures where the watermark is is so obvious right across the middle that you can't see the picture yeah, or something yeah. that's just you know that that doesn't work for me um i don't know i mean it's interesting i've got a friend of mine who lives in Malmesbury he's a, he's a very good um interior photographer and he's got a picture that he took of his him and his own family he took yeah. it years and years ago really yeah. really nice picture and uh, i was in a pub with him last night and he he said what do you think of this and he showed me a little video clip that's on bbc world at the minute on the yeah. website on the internet and I looked at it, and it was of this Indian um, chap who is um, making T-shirts or uh, crochet or something okay. uh, out of photos. Right. And and I looked again. He said, watch it again. I looked again. And the first picture he was using <laughs> was, his. was his picture of his family. <laughs> All right. And now this picture of his family is not a... You know, it's just something it's clearly just been lifted off his Facebook profile. Well, why would people want that picture on there? I mean, it's a creative, it is a very nice oh, it's picture. A right, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's not just it's a snapshot. A, it's, no, it's an interesting picture right, with good okay. light and everything. Oh, right. So, but it's not, it's not, you know, it's not a, a picture you could buy or anything, you know. And so, and I was like, wow, that's quite interesting because, uh, and then that got us talking. I know we're deviating again at, at the minute. I, I don't think it's illegal, and this, this is not the case here, but I don't yeah. think it's illegal if you paint a photograph like you can if you if i if you took a photograph and i painted it and it was a very good representation or i sketched it or whatever that the copyright does not pass on to the onto the the reproduction in that respect right it's the same for painting so like a, a rembrandt for example if somebody painted a very similar or painted it exactly the same um but didn't try and pass it off as as a forgery right then I don't think that's illegal either. It's emulating. Yeah, it's emulating. Um, and, uh, you know, I might be wrong, so maybe somebody will be able to, to, to well, kind of clarify. We might Alan Gump to fact-check us on this one. But, well, it would be different per different countries, wouldn't it? So so for my friend's case, I was like, you know what? I don't know what, 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 what leg you can stand on because he's not he's not copying your picture. What he's doing is he's, he's knitting something out of you know using your your likeness but as his a picture's design. being used to put on it's it's no. like screen printing no isn't it? No, no, no 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 so he's he's got the picture on the table yeah and then he's using his crochet and knitting needles oh, and, and he, stuff to make something wow that's craft it's bloody, <laughs> bloody good i mean it looked what he produced is amazing uh, it's I'd incredible be first on the order if, if i was him i'd want i'd want that yeah so uh, send me my family crochet but the, so where's the, that's a blurry line isn't yeah, it where's the copyright is, what what's yeah. uh you know it's if i take a photograph of a painting yeah is it illegal or you know if uh hmm. if somebody who's very 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 good at drawing draws a copy of a, a picture that looks just like the original photograph is that illegal as long as you don't say this was the original then i don't think it is we were we were doing for jack's uh, school project we have something do you do shared learning 
Have you ever heard of shared learning? Me and Gemma sometimes. Yeah, okay. So shared learning, well, it's a policy at this particular school. I think what it means is it's homework for adults. Yeah. Um, shared learning. Give me that. So we had to do a project about, um, well, I quite liked it actually because it was all about, um, about artists. And um, I, I copied a Keith Haring picture. And um, the artists that used to do the the, the, the very colourful men, very mm. pop art. Kind oh of thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and um, but then I changed it slightly to. But clearly, I mean, I'm not photographing it and selling it. Mm. But that's what you're talking about when you're using an idea and being inspired by it. Aren't yeah, they? and that's essentially what this this um, yeah. this this chap in India was doing when he was yeah presenting this crochet art. Yeah, yeah. It was very very weird weird yeah. kind of uh, yeah. what's right and what's wrong. But in this case, you know. <laughs> do you get angry about it, or or do you just think, do you know what? That's, I would certainly if it, if my my policy on this if it, if it's being used for commercial gain, then I will yeah. I will be sending emails and saying, look, you know what, this is this is not mine. on. Um, and for hundreds hundreds of websites have used my wedding pictures and stuff, yeah. and I and I don't bother even looking any no. longer. And that's partly because Fujifilm relationship and the, the spread of the images, yeah. not not necessarily because they're you know the, the the quality of them. It's because there's a lot of them out there. Um, but if somebody took your site and wholesale copied it, as has happened, which has past, happened, yeah, I mean, I, you, you uh, want to be saying, excuse me, <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> Quite yeah. sure where you're, uh, yeah, yeah, where you're yeah, coming yeah. from with that concept. Yeah, so it's all. You know. Amelia Trowbridge. A couple of weeks ago, we had Amelia on the show as a, as a guest. And um, uh, her work is just phenomenal. Um, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, but she, when, when I asked this question of her, she said, yeah, I haven't got the energy or inclination to go chasing people mm. all the time. We live in a digital world. And actually, it's not the top of my priority list. I'm going to go and do something else, like make pictures. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. So, uh, there was a second part to the question here from Martin in uh, Chicago, Illinois. I'm curious to know to what extent do you two crop your images when editing, if you do it at all? Well, the answer for me is yes, I do occasionally. I try to get it right in camera, but sometimes, you know, there's something on the edge of the frame. I just squeeze that in just a mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah, unashamedly. Yeah, I yeah, do it. I'm pretty much the same. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm always having to straighten them up, and then that leads to something needing cropping off. Yeah, straightening is something I do a lot of. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the d- Dutch tilt. Um, I think we've had this conversation before, Mm. haven't we? Mm. Dutch tilt disease. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. That's it for this week. Um, If you have liked the show, here's an idea. Take a moment and share it. I said last week we'll consider you legendary material, but we, we really will. Apple Podcasts are fantastic, by the way. But if, you have a, if you've enjoyed it and you like it, then share it, because that helps the whole community grow, and we'd really appreciate that. Um, if you've not joined the private Facebook group, now is the time. We're waiting in there. Kev's waiting in there to say hello to you. Uh, thank you for your questions. Send them in to click at fujicast.co.uk. Music is from Blue Wednesday uh, with uh, other stuff from Artlist, a wonderful art list as well. Your payoff this week, Kev. Oh, you'll like this, actually. This is Annette. Kevin's Instagram is Kevin Merlin's Photography. See his films on YouTube at Documentary Eye. His website is kevinmerlinsphotography.co.uk or for street workshops, trainings and everything Fujifilm, go to f16.click. I like to come on your trainings. Oh, I know. That, that was, was a, lovely. That was Annette. So, uh... Thank you, Annette. My one comes from Jeremy Baker. Neil's Instagram is Neil James. See his films on YouTube at Neil James Photo. His website is neiljames.com. And you can hear his other photography podcast, which is called Breathe Pictures, wherever you can get your podcasts from. I'm Jeremy Baker. My Instagram is JB102. Thank you, Jeremy. If your question, comment, or just plain amusing observation didn't feature this week, do not fear. It will, like all the best things in life. Your question is one of them, as I said last week, and it's just taking slightly longer to rise, like a... Uh, like a like a a well crafted sourdough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was quite good. Terrible. I like that one. Terrible. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. The Fuji Cast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives, who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.